claims that President Trump And welcome to Narrative Live. How are you, Eric? Doing great, Zev. Good Daniel. to be back. I played that triumphant music at the beginning, which I haven't played for a while, because it is a big deal. This series of hearings has been really well done. They've articulated in a very coherent, strong case against Donald Trump. They were able to turn the tide of Donald Trump's culpability on January the 6th. However, you know, there's some things missing in the Jan 6 hearings today and in the entire proceedings. Interesting what they've left out. Did you watch the entire hearing? I watched quite a bit of it. The first part was stuff that, if you've been covering it, is something that you've heard before, certainly. The culpability of Bannon and Stone and the Oath Keepers in putting this together. But there's so many figures who were behind this that were left off. But when we got around to that video, of course, of the congressional leaders when they were under threat, trying to reach the Pentagon, trying to reach DOD to defend them and knowing that there exists the resources for them to be defended and that they were abandoned. To see that for the first time is very powerful. Yeah, I actually think that was very instructive. And I think it does highlight leadership in the Pentagon were not acting, were not responding. And one of the things that I'm most stunned by, that there is no accountability or at least public accountability for the military who stood down that day, who chose not to save the people who are under attack inside the Congress. The other thing we want to talk about tonight, Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer and the enormous pressure there, acting calmly, I'm really impressed by their leadership there. But the big news of the day came around um, Donald Trump being subpoenaed. This is a big deal. I know it just feels to some people like it's a half measure, like they should have just referred it to the DOJ, but it's even more than a referral to the DOJ because in fact, he's not likely to agree to go and testify. He's not likely gonna hand over all his boxes of documents and stuff. What they're really doing is they're setting up another criminal case against Donald Trump. So if Mar-a-Lago doesn't work and if Jan 6 doesn't work, there's now gonna be a third criminal case where he is ignoring a subpoena from the House. And if you look at what happened to Bannon, people who did not show up and are facing now criminal prosecutions for failing to follow those subpoenas. I actually think it was a bit of a genius move by the committee and quite a cliffhanger. I did not expect that. And there you had Liz Cheney proposing this uh, resolution and then getting a unanimous nine to zero vote by the entire committee. That's a pretty big deal. There is no defense that Donald Trump was duped or irrational. No president can defy the rule of law and act this way in a constitutional republic, period. Mr. Chairman, our nation's federal judges are sworn to do impartial justice, to preserve our constitution and preserve our union. Dozens of these judges have been addressing January 6th cases, and many have given us plain, unmistakable warnings about the direction of our republic. Let me read from one judge's statement given at a recent sentencing hearing. Quote, high-ranking members of Congress and state officials who know perfectly well the claim of fraud was and is untrue and that the election was legitimate are so afraid of losing their power, they won't say so. It has to be crystal clear that it is not patriotism. It is not standing up for America to stand up for one man who knows full well that he lost instead of the Constitution he was trying to subvert. Mr. Chairman, the violence and lawlessness of January 6th was unjustifiable. 
but our nation cannot only punish the foot soldiers who stormed our capital. Those who planned to overturn our election and brought us to the point of violence must also be accountable. With every effort to excuse or justify the conduct of the former president, we chip away at the foundation of our republic. Indefensible conduct is defended. Inexcusable conduct is excused. Without accountability, it all becomes normal and it will recur. Those are heavy words from Liz Cheney, but I think she's absolutely right. The statement there from Judge Jackson is really impressive. I think that we are at the point where we have to take some action in order to preserve the future generations and making sure that this doesn't recur under their watch. It could be 10 years from now, it could be tomorrow, of course, but it could be 100 years from now that these things happen again. But it's just so important that we preserve a solid democracy for the future generations. Yeah, and if we let this slide, we set a standard. We've set a standard that this is an appropriate demonstration that to attack democracy itself, to attack physical buildings, to unilaterally declare war on your own country, this is a civil war. They said it was a civil war. They treated it like a civil war. They brought infantry and weaponry and they had a command structure. They declared civil war. That needs to be punished. But this is such a crucial point because what I walked away from today was an understanding that this had been a very long-term plan. And although we had suspected it and our investigation had revealed exactly the same thing, that this had been something that had been concocted even before Trump was first elected. This was always the plan. This was the plan to take uh -huh. over the American democracy and install a dictator. And what they were trying to do on January the 6th was just the culmination of that. Because there's no other way to understand why they would have recruited the Proud Boys and recruited the Oath Keepers and recruited all these people through QAnon if it wasn't to get to this point at the end of his first term where they would need to have an insurrection so they could have martial law, so they could take over. That took years and years of planning, money, identifying people through the various means that they did. They raised an army over the first four years of that uh, administration, whether it was Roger Stone working with the Proud Boys or with the Oath Keepers, or whether it's Michael Flynn creating this QAnon army, and for what purpose? An insurrection. Mm -hmm. And one of the Department of Homeland Security people was just on with Nicole Wallace earlier on, and he said maybe this was the plan from day one. He said because every time that they came up there with plans to control domestic terrorism, Every time they presented Donald Trump with the strategies and concerns around domestic terrorism, he turned them down at every point. The only reason to turn them down is if you thought you'd need them and they were going to be your army down the line, which now in hindsight, we can tell that was his army. I mean, I remember 20 plus years ago hearing people who then adhered to a right wing that we consider more traditional than what we hear out of Steve Bannon and Mike Flynn, more of the Fox News crew and the internet then still had message boards and there were just affinities for different ideas. But I heard all about these Second Amendment solutions and about the whole point of having all these firearms. I even had this conversation in Vermont where we have firearms all over the place. It's just part of the culture, but it was never thought that we were there to overthrow Montpelier's capital if they got out of hand or something. It was just, frankly, you just have lots of wild animals and to hunt and other things. But this is during the run-up of the NRA expanding the gun culture, the adding the chicks in bikinis to the advertisements, the going beyond hunting rifles to more tactical looking military style weapons. This is the beginning of the AR-15 age when I'm having this conversation. I'd already been working in Washington for a while. I was pretty aware of the firepower that the U.S. military has. And when I started hearing these talking points about, well, we might have to overthrow 
the government. I'm like, hold up, player. Have you ever heard of the Apache AH-86 attack helicopter? Because those are pretty gnarly and you don't have one. The Abrams M1A1 main battle tank is a bit tougher than you and your cousin in your pickup truck with some over-under shotguns. And the thing that was chilling was when I tried to work through the logic of that with some actual defense information and like, how are you going to talk to each other? Have you heard of the NSA? And how are you going to move around? What about the National Geospatial Intelligence Agency? And I tried to put up every logical roadblock to why a direct assault on the U.S. government at this point was insane from a civilian point of view. Yeah, I heard that. Well, we don't necessarily have to fight them. I don't think the Pentagon would make an order to fight us. And I said, well, wait a minute. So then you're talking about intimidating elected officials. This is 25 years ago. That's what we just saw on video was they told me what their image was, the one that had been placed in their head. And that I'm like, so you're talking about killing the mayor. You're talking about killing a congressman or the post office guy. So you're just talking about civil war. That's just murdering your neighbors. Oh, no. They said. Now we see Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi there. And it's like, oh, no, I need these small tactical military style firearms. And I don't intend to fight the Pentagon. I intend to fight an 81-year-old Italian grandmother from San Francisco. And that's the video we just got to see. They were planning to kill people. There's no doubt in my mind. That's the only way you could have got from there to the Insurrection Act. And that's what their plan was. Let's look at that incredible video because it certainly was the highlight of the day. And I just want everyone to focus as we watch this video. The thing to look for is that they are on the phone there with the Secretary of Defense begging him to do something. And it's not like he wasn't aware that something was going on. We know he knew what was going on. We know what he did beforehand. He pulled back the ability of the National Guard to even have the right gear on the day. We know that he refused to deploy the National Guard 14 times when he was asked during that day. And we also know that Chris Miller, then the acting defense secretary, was had just been appointed in November by Donald Trump. So there's no doubt that this man has much to answer for. The Pentagon was not there to defend Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, and everybody else that was in the Capitol that day. Let's look at this tape. They're taking the uh, rolling. The door has been breached if people are gaining access into the Capitol. Senator Schumer is at a secure location and they're locked down in the Senate. There has to be some way we can maintain the sense that people have that there's some security or some confidence of that government tension and that we can elect the President of the United States. Did we go back into session? We did go back into session, but now apparently everybody on the floor is putting on tear gas masks to prepare for a breach. Well, I'm trying to get more information. They're putting on their tear gas masks. We need an area for the council members. They're all walking over now through the tunnels. I'm going to call up the effing Secretary of DOD. We have some senators who are still in their hideaways. They need massive personnel now. Can you get the Maryland National Guard to come too? I have something to say, Mr. Secretary. I'm going to call the, the mayor of Washington, D.C. right now and see what other outreach she has to other police departments, as Senator Leader Porter has mentioned. Hi, Governor. This is Nancy. I don't know if you have been approached about the Virginia National Guard. Mr. Hoyer was connect, speaking to Governor Hogan, but I still think you probably need the okay of the federal government in order to come into another jurisdiction. Thank you. Oh my gosh. They're just breaking windows. They're doing all kinds. Of, it's really that somebody, they said somebody was shot. It's just, it's just 
horrendous and all at the instigation of the President of the United States. Okay, thank you, Governor. I appreciate what you're doing. And if you don't mind, I'd like to stay in touch. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Bye-bye. Virginia Guard has been called in. Yeah, and I'm just talking to Governor Northam. And what he said is they sent 200 of state police and a unit of the National Guard. They're breaking windows and going in, obviously ransacking our offices and all the rest of that. That's nothing. The concern we have about personal harm, safety, personal safety is it just transcends everything. But the fact is, on any given day, they're breaking the law in many different ways. And quite frankly, much of it at the instigation of the President of the United States. And now, if he could, at least somebody. Yeah, why don't you get the President to tell them to leave the Capitol, Mr. Attorney General, in your law enforcement responsibility? A public statement, they should all leave. This cannot be just we're waiting for so-and-so. We need them there now, whoever you got. You, okay. have, you also have troops, this is Steny Hoyer, troops. Okay, so we have to make that decision. Andrews Air Force Base. All right. Other military bases. Thank you. Need active Bye. duty, National Guard. How soon in the future can you have the place evacuated, cleaned out? Just pretend for a moment it was the Pentagon or the White House or some other entity that was under, and let me say you can logistically get people there as you make the plan. We're trying to figure out how we can get this done today. We to Mitch about it earlier. And he's not in the room right now, but he was with us earlier and said we want to expedite this and hopefully they could confine it to just one complaint, Arizona, and then we could vote and that would be, then just move forward with the rest of the state. The overriding wish is to do it at the Capitol. What we are being told very plate is it's going to take days for the capital to be okay. We've gotten a very bad report about the condition of the house floor with defecation and all that kind of thing as well. I don't think that that's hard to clean up, but I do think it is more from a security standpoint of making sure that everybody is out of the building and how long will that take. I just got off with the vice president. And I got off with the vice president-elect, so I'll tell you Okay, but what we left the conversation with, because he said he had the impression from Mitch that Mitch wants to get everybody back to do it there. Yes. I said that what we're getting a counterpoint that is we could take time to clean up the poop that they're making all over the literally and figuratively in the Capitol and that may take days to get back. I'm at the literally standing with the U.S. Capitol Police. He just informed me what you will hear through the channels, Paul Irving, your sergeant in arms, will inform you that their best information is that they believe that the House and the Senate will be able Good news. Thank you very much, Mr. Vice President. Good news. Wow, that's incredible video. I had no idea it existed. And now when we see it, boy, it provides us a real insight into what they were going through. Cool under pressure, there's no doubt about it. Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer there seem to be the entire response of the U.S. government at the time. That what was really with the response, which is stunning when you think of the power and enormous resources of the American government to have only these few people stuck in the pit of the Capitol as being the ones who are calling in, demanding help, asking for help, calling Virginia, calling another state. There's a lot of context to that. It's really shocking if you understand how this goes. Pentagon defends the District of Columbia. 
not it's law enforcement is actually handled by a great number of agencies. There's the Secret Service, the Park Police. There are units assigned to the diplomatic corps. And there's also the DC Metropolitan Police that is there for the citizenry and not the federal institutions, but the people of DC, of who I am very happy to have been one. And then there's a National Guard unit. Then there's the Department of Defense. And the FBI has got a role in there too. And there's probably a bunch of agencies we don't even know about. But the least authoritative and with the institution with the least of the resources would be the DC city government. And Nancy Pelosi there is talking about calling, I think it was Muriel Bowser at the time, the mayor of the District of Columbia. And I understand some of the backstory there. The Home Rule Act in Washington was 1973. Walter E. Washington was first mayor commissioner of D.C. Their home rule had been promised to the residents of D.C. even as far back as the Federalist Papers under some limited power that wasn't thought to be a full state, though people talk about that now. But after the Civil War, there was a lot of resistance of the Southerners because there were so many African-Americans who lived in D.C., giving them power to rule themselves and possibility of representation with their taxation was distasteful to the Southerners. And so DC didn't really have a government outside of the congressional governance until 1973. And they pretty much have a police force the way most towns have a police force. And then you have the largest defense force and war making machine in the history of mankind that is stationed next door that Nancy Pelosi had to call the mayor of DC to see if they could send anyone when you're jogging distance from the Pentagon. That's so huge of how deep the betrayal was. And she has Gang of Eight clearance, and Chuck Schumer has Gang of Eight top secret clearance. She likely knows what defends DC, what extraordinary resources we might have, what their status might be, what budget they might need, because she's at that senior level. She knows deeper than anybody else how much Trump's people and the GOP betrayed this nation. And we're watching in real time. And she manages to keep her composure as she begs the governor of Virginia for help. And this treason was set up so specifically because they don't want to break the law because the bad guys would love for somebody to step over the line. They go, "Ah, you're fascists. That's why we need to kill Congress and have our own fake electors come in because there's no rule anyhow. But you had the Congress, the DOD, I wouldn't say they wouldn't do their job. They were probably in the quick reaction forces in and around DC who were chomping at the bit to get in there and stop this. Oh, I'm sure there was, but they couldn't and be breaking were, orders. That's right, because they respect a chain of command. We have Chris Miller, who will go down in infamy if he won't die in prison. Cash Patel, same. Charles Flynn who should be stripped of his uniform tonight, and everybody else who was part of this, everybody who organized the robocalls to get the attackers there, the people who put together the funding, those who worked with foreign agents, every single person needs to be held to account for this seditious conspiracy and face the maximum sentence under the law. 100%. Look at this timeline. It's 187 minutes from the start of the event that it took for Chris Miller to actually send in and deploy the National Guards. But this is a timeline from 3 p.m. to 5.08 on that day. I'm going to go through it carefully here because I think it's important for people to understand for how long Chris Miller stood by, didn't do anything, didn't seem to consider it urgent enough to send the National Guard in. So at 3 o'clock, Mayor Bowser requests additional resources from Miller. Acting Defense Secretary Miller orders a plan to deploy the National Guard at 3.04. 
At 319, Pelosi and Chuck Schumer request deployment of the National Guard. 48, Vice President VP Pence calls Miller and instructs him to clear the Capitol. He still doesn't do it. It's only after 417, after Trump posts the go home, we love you video, that Miller then orders the deployment of the National Guard, and then it's still 508 before they actually get to deploy. So you're looking at an extraordinary period of time for something they knew was coming. This is not a surprise to anyone involved. They planned for it to happen. They yeah. they disarmed the DC National Guard. They exactly. stopped people from doing jobs that they should be able to do without their authority. They passed regulations last minute to require their authority. Chris Miller did this. Chris Miller launched this attack. He's a traitor. He needs to be prosecuted immediately. And everyone and, who conspired with him. And it goes, you know, this letter that he sent, this is January the 4th, two days before, he sends this memorandum to the Secretary of the Army. And he says the memorandum responds to your January 4th, 2021 memorandum regarding the District of Columbia request for DC National Guard support in response to a planned demonstration from January 5th to the 6th. You are authorized to approve the request support subject to the guidance below and subject to consultation with the Attorney General as required by the Executive Order 11485. So without the subsequent, it goes on to say, they, they basically were not authorizing to, to do the following, to be issued weapons, ammunition, boy, bayonets, batons, or ballistic protection equipment, such as helmets and body armor. They did not allow them to interact physically with protesters, except when necessary in self-defense or defense of others, consistent with the DCNG rules for the use of force. They did not allow them to employ any riot control agents, not allow them to share any equipment with law enforcement agencies. They didn't allow them to use intelligence, surveillance, and reconnaissance assets to conduct our incident That's awareness or huge. assessment activities. I saw yeah, and it's a pretty big deal not to allow them to survey what's going on. They weren't allowed to employ helicopters or use any of their air assets. And they weren't allowed to conduct any searches, seizures, arrests, or other similar direct law enforcement activity. And they were not allowed to seek support from any non-DC National Guard units. That to me seems beyond reproach and absolutely treasonous. These people need to be prosecuted. And it looks to me like Chris Miller is going to get away with it. It doesn't look like that to me. It takes a while to get courts martial in order. And we've needed the last couple of years to defang the domestic terror organizations that go right up to the top of state capitals. I know I'm sitting in one Yeah, where right. they conspired with right up to the top of the government here to overthrow it. And it takes us a while to clean up the trash like that. It's also very instructive to understand about what the Secret Service knew and what the FBI knew and what other people knew. There was either blinders on and they didn't want to accept that it's possible, or there was a deliberate attempt to hide the intelligence. There's this clip, which I just thought was a stunning assertion, or two that are interesting. One is that the day of, when this mass of people show up with weapons and refuse to go into the actual area where Trump is speaking because it's sealed off by fencing and metal detectors. And uh, the, lots of people refused to go into the actual speaking area. They knew that they would be disarmed. And if they were going to be disarmed, they couldn't continue on with the insurrection, which they had planned to do later that day. So, of course, Trump says, oh, bring them in, bring them in. I don't care. Yeah. And no, the Secret Service that. knew that there was armed people. I mean, look, we've only heard parts of this. This was a larger operation than we even know now. I think it's great to see it from Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer's perspective inside the Capitol under siege while it's already penetrated and there are people just a few meters away calling for this 80-year-old Italian grandmother's head. They want to kill her. How did this many people with firearms get into the district? Well, we see what happened with the Department of Defense. They're like, you may not use intelligence surveillance reconnaissance. You may not track people's movements. You may not 
do any search and seizure. No doubt if you suspect weaponry, these guys set up every rule so they could run up on the minimum number of people not wearing armor, not wearing helmets, with no weapons to defend themselves, so that a bunch of guys that can't do 70 sit-ups could kill an octogenarian. Northerners don't often do this, but this is so far beneath the dignity of the scurrilous confederacy in the Civil <laughs> War. The institutions that they were defending were vomitous, and it's yeah. a stain we still haven't cleaned up. Yeah. Those officers all went to West Point. General Lee fought for a reprehensible cause and was a gentleman otherwise. And so were Stonewall Jackson. They're, they're not going to go so far as Nathan Bedford Forrest, who started the KKK, break rank there. But these were people that were setting themselves up as another nation state, and they decided to go to war with us. It was the bloodiest and worst, and for the worst of reasons. I don't forgive that. But this betrayal by this cabal is so far beneath the dignity of the Confederate States of America. Think of how low a bar that was. I'm going to play you another clip now. This is a White House security person. This is the voice of him describing what they were so worried about that day when Trump was wanting to return to the actual insurrection. He wanted to, he ordered uh, Secret Service to let him go back there. They refused to let him go back there. This is what they were worried about. We were all in a state of shock. Because why? Because it's just one, I think, the actual physical feasibility of doing it. And then also, we all knew what that indicated and what that meant. That this was no longer a rally, that this was going to move to something else if he physically walked to the Capitol. I don't know if you want to use the word insurrection, coup, whatever. We all knew that this would move from a normal, democratic, public event into something else. Why were we... Uh... They knew that it was going to lead to an insurrection and a coup. They knew that's what he wanted to do. He wanted to lead this 10,000 people on an insurrection right into the Capitol. And if they had that kind of foresight and they had that kind of knowledge, why did it take Chris Miller so long to respond? I mean, this is people in the Secret Service. These are people involved in the securing of our nation. And yet hours and hours go by before there's any response by the military or, or really anybody else, while the nation's leaders and the Capitol Police are busy fending off an insurrection. And Chris of... Miller didn't respond. He did. He responded throughout the day when Nancy Pelosi called him. He lied. When people asked to do their jobs, he stopped them. He was very responsive in the days running up, making sure he disarmed the United States of America and its capital. He had long since made a decision about the Constitution, which was that he had the right to rip it up because he's such a genius. He outranks the rest of us and Alexander Hamilton and James Madison and every other framer and Constitution, everybody else who ever shed blood for this country. He was better than all of us. And it's his Constitution to do with what he wanted. Oh, he reacted with remarkable sharpness and speed and intention. That's very clear. And this was an organized thing that they all knew about. So, I mean, this, they had a, probably a theoretical idea that this was what was going to happen. Then they have Trump actually insisting that he'd be allowed to go back there and to lead this event. So they knew at that point that we were on the brink of the end of the Republic if that insurrection was successful. And yet they, these are people who are sworn to defend the country and the Constitution, and they don't do it. Let's listen to Adam Schiff. Their plan is to literally kill people. Please take this tip seriously and investigate further. The source also made clear that the Proud Boys had detailed their plans on multiple websites like the Donald.win. Let's pause here. The Secret Service had advanced information more than 10 days beforehand regarding the Proud Boys planning for January 6th. We know now, of course, that the Proud Boys and others did lead the assault on our Capitol building. On December 31st, agents circulated intelligence reports that President Trump's supporters 
proposed a movement to occupy Capitol Hill. They knew. There's just no doubt that they knew. And the Proud Boys have been planning this for a long time. This is why the Proud Boys exist. And it's very interesting to hear as well, Representative Lofgren talking about Roger Stone and his role in all of this, because we've known since day one, I mean, here on Narrative, we've basically identified who the main ringleaders of all of this were from January the 13th last year. This is what we've said right at the beginning, and this is what it still is today. Roger Stone raising a militia, Alex Jones running the propaganda, Michael Flynn raising this digital army through QAnon, Steve Bannon was the architect of it all, and then Rudy Giuliani and Sidney Powell were busy creating the lie. We knew this from January the 6th, the fast forward all this time, and now the committee, and now America, gets to hear finally what they think about Roger Stone. It took a long, long time, but I'm glad they finally did. Let's listen to Representative Loughlin. Another close associate of Donald Trump apparently knew of Mr. Trump's intentions as well. Now, Roger Stone is a political operative with a reputation for dirty tricks. In November 2019, he was convicted of lying to Congress and other crimes and sentenced to more than three years in prison. He's also a longtime advisor to President Trump and was in communication with President Trump throughout 2020. Mr. Trump pardoned Roger Stone on December 23rd 2020. Now, recently, the select committee got footage of Mr. Stone before and after the election from Danish filmmaker Christopher Gilbranson, pursuant to a subpoena. Right before the election, here's Roger Stone talking about what President Trump would do after the election. Let's just hope we're celebrating. I suspect it'll be, I really do suspect it'll still be up in the air. When that happens, the key thing to do is to claim victory. Possession is nine-tenths of the law. No, we won. Fuck you. Sorry, over. We won. You're wrong. Fuck you. I should help the Lord and let's get right to the violence. That's what I'm doing. The select committee called Mr. Stone as a witness, but he invoked his Fifth Amendment right against self-incrimination. Do you believe the violence on January 6th was justified? On the advice of counsel, I respectfully declined to answer your question on the basis of the Fifth Amendment. And Mr. Stone, did you have any role in planning for the violence on January 6th? Once again, I will assert my Fifth Amendment right to decline to answer your question. Although we don't yet have all the relevant records of Roger Stone's communications, even Stone's own social media posts acknowledge that he spoke with Donald Trump on December 27th as preparations for January 6th were underway. In this post, you can see how Roger Stone talked about his conversations with President Trump. He wrote, I also told the president exactly how he can appoint a special counsel with full subpoena power to ensure those who are attempting to steal the 2020 election through voter fraud are charged and convicted and to ensure Donald Trump continues as our president. As we know by now, the idea for a special counsel was not just an idle suggestion. It was something President Trump had actually tried to do earlier that month. We know that Roger Stone was at the Willard Hotel on January 5th and 6th, and we know from other witness testimony that President Trump asked his chief of staff, Mark Meadows, to speak with Roger Stone and General Michael Flynn that night. In addition to his connection to President Trump, Roger Stone maintained extensive direct connections to two groups responsible for violently attacking the Capitol, the Oath Keepers and the Proud Boys. 
individuals from both of these organizations have been charged with a crime of seditious conspiracy. Now, what is seditious conspiracy? It is a conspiracy to use violent force against the United States to oppose the lawful authority of the United States. Multiple associates of Roger Stone from both the Oath Keepers and the Proud Boys have been charged with this crime. Close associates of Roger Stone, including Joshua James, have pled guilty to this crime. We know that at least seven Oath Keepers who have been criminally charged provided personal security for Roger Stone or were seen with him on January 6th or in the weeks leading up to January 6th. For example, Joshua James, the leader of the Alabama Oath Keepers, provided security for Roger Stone and was with him on January 5th. It's remarkable that it's taken so long. Here we are a year later and still nothing has been done to these people and America's only hearing about this now. There's also a good clip from Steve Bannon and then I'll give you the floor. Here's again Lofgren talking about what Steve Bannon said the day before. All hell is going to break loose tomorrow. It's all converging and now we're on, as they say, the point of attack, right? The point of attack tomorrow. I'll tell you this. It's not going to happen like you think it's going to happen, okay? It's going to be quite extraordinarily different. And all I can say is strap in. You have made this happen, and tomorrow it's game day. So strap in. Let's get ready. It's premeditated. It's planned. And, of course, as we've been showing on our series here, this guy, Steve Bannon, is a asset of the Chinese state. I mean, that's as clear as anything is in my reporting. And I think that it's absolutely true that he's an asset of the Chinese state. And here he is planning an insurrection, the former president of the United States, and his inner circle, like Stone and Jones. It's stunning that there isn't more outrage over what happened on January the 6th. And I'm glad they did the hearing because it certainly reminds me of how horrific this day was. My first reaction is perhaps going to be unexpected. I've been looking at the logo of the Oath Keepers there, and I was trying to remember which statue that was from because I recognized it. And it's, of course, a statue of the Lexington Minutemen. And that's, of course, the colonial militia from Lexington and Concord in Massachusetts. And uh, this is them co-opting New England patriotism. And I, something hit me sideways there with the Alabama Oath Keepers. And, uh, and it's the Massachusetts Revolutionary Militia from New England. I went to Mill River Union High School in Clarendon, Vermont. And uh, our mascot was the Minutemen. And that's been eating at me a little bit. These sons of bitches thinking they can borrow the actual imagery of the patriots of this country in the part of the United States that didn't keep slaves, that fought against slavery. These sons of bitches come out and try and put this country on its knees using our own imagery as a shield. It just hits me. And we've been covering this for a long time, Zev. And we see the recaps of videos you and I have watched countless times of Steve Bannon on January 3rd or January 5th or December 27th that Roger Stone on November 3rd of 2020. And it's like, they announced it. And then you had people in the Republican Party say it was tourism. You had Josh Hawley come by with his little shake, his tiny little fist in there, and, and then uh, try and run the quickest 100-yard dash possible as soon as he thought it might cost him something. We've been living in this kind of surreal state as we all just lived through a coup d'etat attempt well beneath the low dignity of the Confederate States of America. And it is high time that these people be rounded up, incarcerated, and given the rights granted to them, guaranteed to them by the Constitution that they wanted to shred and cover in our blood. It's time for them to receive 
those constitutional rights enumerated under the 5th, 6th, and 14th Amendment, give them their due process, and make them fake the law. I mean, I agree with you that all of these people, especially the leadership here, is so culpable. The vast majority of Americans that are just supportive of the idea that there's a big lie are completely convinced that they'd been so indoctrinated and without making any excuses for it, because there really isn't. We have a real problem because the indoctrination continues. The propaganda continues and it's still so many people are indoctrinated and you know that's very hard to course correct implications of what happened on january the 6th are, are vast quickly this timeline december 12th Stuart Rhodes shows up at the jericho march which reminds me it's, everyone points to this december the 18th meeting with mike flynn sydney powell linwood and others all showing up at the white house saying let's do this new plan and that new plan was we're no longer going to try and just i think it was i don't remember the, the original plan it was the, it was the legal plan that wasn't working out so then this time they were going to try seize the ballot boxes in these six states or at least ask for recounts in those six congressional districts as a test. So this is December 18th and they basically concoct some sort of plan which leads up to an insurrection. And then on December 19th, he does this will be wild tweet that Donald Trump does about January the 6th. So be here on January the 6th, it will be wild. And then after that point, we know that Milley, the chief of staff of the military, he says that he believed Trump was stoking unrest, possibly in hopes of an excuse to invoke the Insurrection Act and call out the military. So this was their plan. They knew all the way through, at least from December 19th, was now their new plan. That they'd gone Mm -hmm. from their legal processes had been exhausted. And then on December 17th, Flynn appears on Newsmax, floats the idea of martial law. The next day they meet with President Trump. But what I don't understand is tells them to do this. Who is meeting with Mike Flynn, Sidney Powell, and all these other people to show up on December 18th? And against the wishes of the White House counsel who's saying, don't do this, don't do this, they have access to the President of the United States And then are able to convince him, I think, I mean, this is the tale that they tell, that an insurrection act is going to be needed when he leads an insurrection in a few weeks from then. It seems to me like this stuff is not something that he's coming up with. It doesn't seem to me like Donald Trump is that kind of guy, nor does he seem to me like Chris Miller is the kind of guy who's thinking through all these details with Donald Trump. I don't think that's the kind of organizational leader Donald Trump is. So who is giving all these people marching orders? to go and do this. It might even involve an intelligence agency or two that isn't one of ours. Indeed, it might involve one of those. This leads me to a very interesting thing that came up, this really careful representation of what happened with the original request by Donald Trump to withdraw from Afghanistan and Somalia. I thought that was new and gripping and interesting. Let's take a look at that quickly. Are you familiar with a memo that the president reportedly signed on November 11th 2020, ordering that troops be withdrawn from Afghanistan and Somalia? Yes. So I think you might have seen some things where there's a memo or something from Johnny McEntee to Douglas McGregor. It says, here's your task to get U.S. forces out of Somalia, get U.S. forces out of Afghanistan. When you first interviewed and met Colonel Douglas McGregor, is it fair to say you discussed this decision of withdrawing from Somalia and Afghanistan, correct? Yeah, I'm sure that was part of it, yeah. And that was the position that he was taking over there was senior advisor to the Secretary of Defense, is that correct? Yes. So on that same day, just so I'm clear, he responded back to you that they, meaning EOD leadership, was not going to take any of those steps without an order. Without a directive, yeah. I explained in language that should be in the order while I was in the meeting with McEntee, and this was my answer to him. I said, if you want this to happen, or the president wants this to happen, he's got to write an order. So you never wrote this down in any capacity? Well, I sketched on a piece of paper for him 
some key statements. Uh, you know, the president directs. Yeah. This is, what's the right word, boilerplate language? Who was in his office drafted the order? It was myself and one of my assistants. McEntee duly types it up, brings it in to the president. The president signs it, and boom, it's faxed over or emailed, scanned over to Castro, delivers it to me. Was it by auto pen, or was it the president himself signing it? It was the president. And who obtained that signature? I did. And that's national security think, priorities. These are not just I think that Mark, that the chairman of the Joint Chiefs, Mark Milley, found it a little strange to be having strategic level discussions with this young dude who was in trouble for potential gambling crimes, whose dad was like a Vegas talent manager, hey, making decisions about these orders to withdraw from Afghanistan and Somalia, two of the most important like hotspots for the American military to be in. And here he is just making these orders up and getting the president to sign them. Then to get off to the Pentagon. But what country is running all its money through these Vegas gambling uh, companies that operate out of Macau? What do you think? When you look at a map and you see where China and Russia are and you look at where Afghanistan is, it pretty much tells you where they would have been thrilled to get the Americans out of. And this for Trump to do this after he realizes he's lost and got no chance of actually maintaining office, so he's now going to do this insurrection thing, that's when he chooses to withdraw the troops. It's clear indication that he had basically marching orders, I think, from a foreign government. And that's the only place you could get those orders from. Why would he deal with such a big headache on his way out the door? Right? I mean, it's almost like the whole lot of them were owned by some key foreign actors that wanted their last task out the door. And they got it. However, got acting it. as the agent of a foreign government without registering with the Attorney General is 18 U.S. Code 951, which is kind of in the espionage territory, and that you should go to prison for decades, so... And I'm back here to tell you that you should be joining us on our Patreon group. All our programming here on Narrative is made entirely because of the contributions of our patrons and our viewers just like you who support our programming. I can list through any number of stories that we've covered over the last few years that would not have been covered, would have been buried for history and maybe never emerged if it wasn't for the patrons who support our content here, who are basically our producers. We want to thank them. But we also want to encourage you to please join us at our Patreon program. It's patreon.com forward slash narrative. It's as little as five or 10 bucks a month, depending on what you choose. And it's really worth your while. Also, if you're watching on YouTube, now's a good time to subscribe. Hit the subscribe button and also the notifications bell. And if you're listening to us on any of our podcast services, but on Apple Podcasts in particular, don't forget to follow and subscribe wherever you're listening to us. Those of you who listen on our Apple Podcast service, you can also find a separate feed of our video service. The Apple Podcast video service of Narrative is also available exclusively to iOS users. And that is our show for tonight. Thank you very much for being here on this historic day. We shall be back. And for those of you who tuned in to find out what happened to Steve Bannon and Miles Guo, I'll fill you in on all of that in a future episode. That is a story that is unbelievable when you get right through it. Thank you for being here. Have a good night, everybody. One day you'll tell the story of autocrats, crooks, and kings who came for our freedom. A story of citizens who stood up to tyranny and won the people prevail and renewed an old vow to a more perfect union. And that was just the beginning. The story continues. Narrative, where truth lives. Every minute of Narrative's reporting, every story that we break is made possible by our patrons. You too can become a patron by joining at patreon.com forward slash narrative. Narrative, where truth lives. Every minute of Narrative's reporting, every story that we break is made possible by our patrons. You too can become a patron by joining at patreon.com forward slash narrative where truth lives.